1: Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie dot slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie dot com slash wondery.
2: There's a new way of doing finance and a new way of interacting with a with a financial services consumer, who I think we really shouldn't call a consumer anymore. We should call a user.
3: Good evening. I'm Mark Hoxtie, and this is Late Confirmation from Coindesk for Monday, September 24th. We're doing something a little different today. I'm on site at the Concordia Summit in New York. This is an annual conference that takes place alongside the United Nations General Assembly. And as you would expect from a gathering of movers and shakers, muckety-mucks and do-gooders, both in the private and public sectors, there's a lot of blockchain discussion on the agenda. During the event, I sat down with several influential figures from the blockchain world, and over the next few episodes, we'll be sharing some of the highlights of those conversations. Today, we'll be exploring a question I asked all of our guests. Where are we in the hype cycle? For those unfamiliar, this is the famous model created by Gartner of the peaks and valleys of enthusiasm, and more importantly, investment, that any new technology goes through. There's the peak of inflated expectations, the trough of disillusionment, the slope of enlightenment, and the plateau of productivity. You get the idea. So where is blockchain in this picture? In just a few moments, we'll find out what Brian Bellendorf from Hyperledger thinks. But first, a word from our sponsor.
0: Master Financial Technology online with the 10-week Oxford FinTech program. Interacting with an international cohort of business leaders and over 60 guest experts, you'll gain a practical introduction to key financial technologies and their business applications. Find out more at oxfordexecfintech.com.
3: Brian Bellendorf is the executive director of Hyperledger, an umbrella project for developing enterprise blockchains under the auspices of the Linux Foundation. Hyperledger counts among its members such technology heavyweights as IBM and Intel. Here at the Concordia Summit in New York, I asked Brian which phase of the so-called hype cycle he thinks the enterprise blockchain space is in right now. He sounded confident that the industry is coming out of a rough patch into a more productive period.
4: No, it's a good question, and I've been been warning people for a while that winter is coming. Right, you know that uh, winter is uh, <laughs> coming. Think winter, um, no, but I but I actually think um, uh, we've already been through uh, a bit of the, the the peak and the trough, and and we're climbing back up now because um, uh, I think you know even even before Hyperledger started, people have been talking about using you know Bitcoin and 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 blockchain technology um, in enterprises for a while. We showed up and said there's there's a lot of hard work to do here. Um, let's Let's work together and build build some uh, examples, some some uh, et cetera. Uh, And was a lot of coverage of that that I think actually um, oversold what was possible at that point in time. Right Um, now, I think uh, that was was
3: the peak of inflated expectations. I think
4: so. I think I think I think Hyperledger kind of came in at that point um, when people thought that they could just take take architectures that have been built for the cryptocurrency world and apply them in a private setting and say, hey, doesn't this work? And I think there were a lot of POCs at that point that didn't didn't. Go past, you know, into a pilot that sort of thing. Um, now I think I, I now that now that the frameworks are shipping production quality code, right? Now that Fabric is out there and it's being used in what we're tracking about twenty-five to thirty different production networks, um, doing everything from diamonds to tracking rice to uh, <laughs> a, a, a rice supply chain one that I, I learned about in China last week, um, uh, being put together by a company called Chain Nova, to things like We Trade and uh, the Maersk uh, network that that is close to being in production. Like these are running systems now, and and so for me that kind of represents the the climb up the 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 slope of I forget what the Gardner puts it, but ultimately the to the slope plat- of enlightenment. The slope of enlightenment. I really yeah. think we're on the slope of enlightenment now, um, uh, and it's there's some hard work to do to actually get to the point where we can measure ROI from that. Um, one of the challenges is what's the return on investment when it comes to decentralized trust? That's there's no column, there's no standard metric there for for how you measure value in a in a world where parties you know um, <clears throat> don't have to trust a central entity and proxy all of their their transactions through them anymore um, uh, but uh, uh, but in terms of like these systems running and creating some prosaic kind of value um, that's that's there today and and I mean there's there's more iteration there's more training of developers that are needed uh, and and conservative organizations want to have other people make mistakes first uh, it's completely reasonable um, uh, but I'm feeling pretty good. Right, right, right. And I think we're at the point now. So we're we're um, we've got training up on uh, edX that over a hundred thousand people have taken. Now um, we're about to launch uh, just before the end of the year um, certification courses for Fabric and Sawtooth. Um, so developers will be able to say, "Hey, I passed a pretty rigorous actually exam, uh, and now know how to run these these uh, in, uh, this infrastructure in, in uh, production." Um, and that's going to help. I think uh, companies feel more comfortable actually moving these promising pilots to it a production platform. Um, another example is so. Uh, last week I was in China at the um, uh, cloud computing Hangzhou computing conference where Alibaba, uh, which was kind of the main host for this, announced their blockchain as a service platform, uh, and, uh, the, and 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 that's all built on Hyperledger Fabric. They also have support for Ant Financial's kind of proprietary blockchain stack, but but Fabric is the one they seem to be really investing in to to make that work well. And they ran a hackathon and they had a whole bunch of they had a hundred different startup teams uh, work over two months to do. Uh, uh, to do um, uh, launches basically on this platform uh, with every, covering everything from healthcare care to um, the art market <laughs> to uh, uh, to their financial services stuff. And it was really, really cool to see the breadth of the different um, use cases and the real businesses behind those that are emerging. So I really feel like this is the that 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 climb up to the plateau of productivity.
3: Spring is here then. spring is here. Next, I spoke to one of the most perspicacious, if occasionally pugnacious, students of the blockchain industry. Preston Byrne was a co-founder and the former chief operating officer of Monax, one of the earliest startups in enterprise blockchain. Trained as a lawyer, he's now an independent consultant, though many of you know him mainly as a propagator of dank memes involving fuzzy mammals on Twitter. Here's what he had to say about where blockchain is in the hype cycle.
2: I mean, where we are in the Gartner heights hype cycle is really in the eye of the beholder. Um, no matter where I look, I can find cause for excitement, and I can co- find cause for despair. Um, so I would say we we are both, you know, in the in the upswing and in the trough of disillusionment at the same time. It just depends on which project you're looking at and who's getting traction. So from the enterprise perspective, specifically, um, there was, of course, in 2015, starting really with you know when I started my company in 2014, we were early to this. And then in 2015, Blythe Masters showed up. And of course, everyone went completely bonkers because the queen of the CDO decided to go get, or, actually, or was it the CDS, Credit, Credit, N- so, Credit link, link Note? what it was called when she uh, pioneered it. So, so, so I'm, when, I'm old
3: enough to remember that,
2: unfortunately. <laughs> so so when, when Blythe Masters showed up, obviously everyone got super excited and they said, oh my gosh, if a financial you know engineer of that singular quality is showing up on the blockchain scene, clearly there must be something here. So we had a lot of interest from kind of stuffy suit types, um, building these back office bank systems. But when you go and try to sell something to a bank in their back office, as I did indeed try to do at the time, it's it's kind of hard to justify it. They go, well, great. So I have this new, this new critter, but no one is asking me to sell it to them. So why do I want it? So there was a bit of that in 2015, 16. There's a lot of excitement about building those things, but no justification. Now we're kind of seeing things creep the other way. So in 2017 and 18, of course, we've seen this enormous run-up in the price of crypto and retail demand for crypto-based financial products. Um, So that, I think, has taught people that there's a new way of doing finance and a new way of interacting with a a financial services consumer, who I think we really shouldn't call a consumer anymore. We should call a user. Mm -hmm. And the question is going to be how we sort of bridge the gap so that you can have an institution that's selling something to a retail investor or retail financial products user uh, in such a way that it makes sense for them to start re-architecting their back office systems to be compatible with what's going on on the front end and talking to the end user.
3: Tackling the hype cycle question next, York Rhodes co-founded Blockchain at Microsoft and is a program manager on Microsoft's Blockchain engineering team. York was also a key driver of the World Bank's groundbreaking blockchain bond.
5: You know, it's interesting because I, I think I looked at a, a recent depiction of that hype cycle and it had crested the, crested the first, you know, the curve. Um, and, I, you know, I think it's actually been a quite rapid evolution from, you know, this nobody believes anything about, you know, either, either public blockchain technologies like Bitcoin or Ethereum, or how the value of something like this could be beneficial in an enterprise context um, so that it feels like to me that the transition over the you know over the top of the hype cycle happened quite rap- rapidly um, and I think that's partly due to the nature of the technology um, but um, you know if you're, if you're asking me do I think we are in a period of hype I think we it depends on how you answer that question. Um, I think you know if, if anybody goes out and they, they do an internet search to try to find information on blockchain, mm-hmm. we're absolutely in a hype cycle, right? Yeah. Because everyone is hyping their own technology and their own platform, and um, part of the value proposition associated with this ecosystem is that it is ripe with startups, right? So any ecosystem that's ripe with startups and particularly open source startups, is going to move quite rapidly. So that's actually a value proposition. Um, where it becomes challenging, particularly on the enterprise side, is how does an enterprise get beyond all of that noise to see where they should actually be investing and where they should be thinking about adoption. And I would say that's where you know, sort of the, the, the hype or the noise in the space is overshadowing the ability of enterprise to even understand where to start. Um, I don't know if that really specifically answers the question. Um, You know, my belief is that um, we've moved beyond um, the hype phase um, because people are now starting to see value propositions that have been realized over the last two years, even in a private permissioned blockchain context.
3: Have have we gone through the the trough of disillusionment?
5: You know, it's interesting. I actually felt. like we have, and it actually felt like it happened um, a couple months ago, oddly enough. Um, I think. What, what gave you that impression? It, I think people started to sort of take, and this might have just been the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, although I spent my summer charging forward on the World Bank project. Um, the, but I think the, the summer, it felt like um, sort of late spring into summer, like people were taking their foot off the pedal and, and sort of questioning, you know, what's going on, why are we doing this? Um, and I think that uh, that we've we have enough public references around you know why you might use a public blockchain versus um, you know use cases where you might use a private blockchain now that people can point to those. Um, and when I say public references, I, I mean things that are production grade public references, right? There's plenty of public references, right? But the question of whether they're actually in production is is the real question. So I think when when you have enough examples of why this is valuable and uh, enough production examples where an enterprise can look at something and say, oh, that kind of looks like me, right? Because you know somebody is talking about it from an enterprise perspective that's a peer of theirs that they can understand. Um, and they've done something in production with a particular new transformative technology like blockchain. Then it starts to
0: resonate with those enterprises. Late Confirmation is brought to you by Oxford University's Said Business School. You can now study FinTech entirely online with Oxford University's Said Business School. The 10-week program gives you the tools you need to build the future of transactions and commerce. You'll explore emerging technologies that will disrupt marketplaces and financial services and examine the state of the industry and plan disruptive intra and entrepreneurial interventions. Throughout the program, you'll be exposed to key ideas, principles, and frameworks from CEOs of leading startups, corporate leaders, and instructional leaders at the forefront of research in the space of future commerce and transactions. Find out more at OxfordExecFintech.com.
3: And last, but certainly not least, I talked to Joban Jobanputra, a founding partner of Future Perfect Ventures, an early-stage venture capital fund in New York. Jalak was an early investor in developing world applications of Bitcoin and blockchain.
1: Well, as of today, I, I would definitely say we're in the trough of disillusionment. Um, last year in 2017, we slowly built to the peak of inflated expectations. Um, then even in the beginning of this year in 2018, um, we just heard that blockchain was the answer to all of the world's problems, every single one of them. Um, and what we've seen right now is a lot of regulation, um, a uh, kind of, the expose, uh, the exposure of a lot of bad actors from the unregulated environment of last year. And we're also seeing some of these enterprise projects take much longer to uh, implementation uh, than they may have announced uh, last year. So this is not that unusual. Um, that's why the hype cycle is documented by Gartner. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to um, kind of the tourists getting out of the sector and us really kind of building long-term sustainable businesses. The tourists, the tourists yes. So the, get-rich-quick the get-rich-quick types, the the folks that get into it just because it's the uh, the technology du jour. It's sexy, and um, you know those of us have been in the sector for a while know what kind of hard work has gone into growing it, um, and how many you know technical as well as social of challenges remain to the widespread adoption, um, but it requires kind of a lot of belief in, in really changing things, changing the way that institutions are run, um, and, and it's, it's a long-term process. So I'd say the tourists are the people who were intrigued by it because it was a way to get rich quick or a way to build up their resume and something that seemed really hot, but the people who stay are the ones that get the most excited about the long-term potential.
3: So it's not about Lambos.
1: Yeah, yeah. I haven't bought a Lambo yet.
3: Okay, okay. For more blockchain news and data, check out Coindesk.com, where you can also subscribe to our newsletters, including the brand new Institutional Crypto, our newly launched weekly newsletter dedicated to institutional investors. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Coindesk. And if you're looking for me, I'm at Mark Hochstein on Twitter. That's at M-A-R-C-H-O-C-H-S-T-E-I-N. Plus, if you're enjoying the show so far, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's our show for today. Tomorrow, in the second part of our Concordia Summit special, we'll ask the chilling question, do you really need a blockchain for that? For Coindesk, this is Mark Hockstein saying... If you're riding a hype cycle at night, make sure to wear bright, reflective clothing.
0: The Pod a sonic universe.